Welcome to the teaching ministry of Stephen Fraser and Life of Faith Bible Church. An outreach dedicated to helping you triumph in every area of life. Now here's Pastor Fraser with today's message. Revelation chapter 20, we saw that at the end of the tribulation, an angel comes down with a great chain. And he binds, lays hold on the devil and chains him up and then takes him and shuts him up, puts him in the pit, locks him up down in hell, locks him up. That's how the tribulation ends. It doesn't end with the coming of Jesus, like so many people think. It ends with the coming of a great angel with a great chain who lays hold of the dragon, the devil, and locks him up. So this isn't the return of Jesus yet. And once that happens, once the devil and all his cohorts, the principalities and powers, the rulers of the darkness, the spirits of hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places, once they are bound for a thousand years, the Bible says, there'll be a time of peace like the world has never known, except maybe before the fall of man. There'll be a time of great peace, a millennial reign of peace upon the earth. A lot of people teach that, well, Jesus will come back and he's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem and, the, and, and that's, that's the millennium. No, that's not the millennium. That's not what's going to happen. So people will still live and die. And it talks about the souls of those who are beheaded during the, during the uh, Great Tribulation, that some of them will be handpicked to occupy the thrones that Satan... And these principalities and powers currently occupy right now. And so those that were martyred, the souls of those who were martyred, will take those thrones. He said this is the first resurrection. See, that's the, that's the resurrection of the human spirit. It's not the second resurrection where you get your body back. The physical resurrection of our bodies. So it's the first resurrection. He's talking about in the spirit, the souls of those who are beheaded, they're going to occupy those thrones. And so that's why it's going to be a great time of peace on the earth. And uh, verse 13 of chapter 20, it says, Then the sea gave up the dead who were in it, and death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. And they were judged, each one according to his works. Then death and Hades, or hell, were cast into the lake of fire. You think, well, could it get any worse? I mean, these folks are already in hell. It can get worse. They're going to be taken before the throne of God and judged, given their final judgment, and they'll be cast into the lake of fire. The Bible says this is the second death. The second death. So they died physically, and now they're eternally damned spiritually forever. And then um, we're rolling into chapter 21, but uh, somebody brought to my attention that I overlooked a portion back in chapter 14, verses 14 through 20. And so we're going to hit that because really it fits right here with where we are. It says in chapter 14 of Revelation, verse 14, Then I looked, and behold, a white cloud, and on the cloud sat one like the Son of Man, having on his head a golden crown, and in his hand a sharp sickle. 
And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, Thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. This is the final harvest of souls. And it's likened to a harvest field. You know, just like you look out there at a harvest field of wheat. That's what the souls of men are likened to. Like a harvest field of wheat that need to be reaped and brought in to heaven. Brought into the kingdom of God. So there's going to be this final harvest of souls. In the spirit, this is what it looks like. The sickle being driven in and then being harvested out of the earth. Now, the final harvest like I said, will be at the very end, after about 3,000 years since Jesus. So right now, it's been 2,000 years since Jesus, approximately. A little bit over 2,000 years. And so another 1,000 years, 1,000 years, the millennial reign of peace on there, another 1,000 years. At the end of that, that's when the Lord will come back. And so that's approximately about 3,000 years. And it's interesting because there's a a prophecy over in Hosea, chapter 6, verse 2. It says, after two days, he will revive us. Now, over in 2 Peter, it says that a thousand years is as a day to the Lord. A thousand years is as a day. So two days would be 2,000 years. So he says, after two days, he will revive us on the third day. Or we could say 3,000 years after Christ. He will raise us up that we may live in his sight. So Jesus, of course, was resurrected on the third day. But here, 3,000 years after Jesus which is what I believe Hosea is talking about, there will be the resurrection of the bodies of those who have died in Christ. They went to heaven. Their spirits went to heaven. But then when the Lord returns, he's going to raise our bodies up physically and we're going to get our bodies back. Because when Jesus redeemed us, he redeemed us spirit, soul, and body. He took care of Every part of our being. And so at the end when he returns, the dead in Christ are going to rise. And then we who are left or whoever is alive on the earth at that time that has not actually died yet, they're just going to be changed. From, in, from corruptible to incorruptible. The Bible talks about that over in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians, the fourth chapter and in verse 16, it says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel. The Lord loves shouting, by the way. He's coming back with a shout. Hallelujah. With the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Well, you see, when we die as Christians... Our spirits are with the Lord. The Bible says to be 
To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. There's, there's people that teach that when we die, we just go into a soul sleep. And we just sleep until Jesus returns. But no, the Bible says to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So if you ever hear about that, uh, now you have the understanding. He says in verse 17, Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. We'll always be with the Lord. Praise God. In, in, In his manifested presence, we'll see him in all his glory. Verse 17 of Revelation 14, he goes on, it says, Then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven, he also having a sharp sickle. And another angel came out from the altar, who had power over fire. And he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle, saying, Thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth, for her grapes are fully ripe. So the angel thrust his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs. So here there's another harvest and it's the harvest of the, of the wicked, of the unsaved. They'll be harvested. And uh, notice the angel that comes and does this, the Bible says in verse 18, he had power over fire. See, at the end, the Bible says that all the elements of the earth are going to melt with fervent heat. Everything's going to burn up. The whole earth is going to be burned up. But then it will be restored and will be returned to the earth. We're going to come out of heaven and we'll, I don't want to jump ahead of myself, but we're going to come out of heaven and we're going to return to the restored earth. But it is going to burn up. And so that's all a part of this reaping of the wicked. The earth is going to burn up. They're all going to be destroyed and, again, thrown into the lake of fire. Here it's talking about the wine press of the wrath of God. Now, chapter 21. Aren't you glad you're on the right side of this whole thing? Just think, every person you bring into the kingdom of God, you're a part of that sickle. And you're rescuing somebody from an eternity in hell, or the lake of fire, I should say. You are rescuing somebody from the lake of fire. You can rescue somebody from the lake of fire. Think about that. Think about the fact that you can neglect to save a soul from the lake of fire. There's lives that are depending on you and I. And God will hold us accountable for the lives that he was counting on us to help bring into the kingdom of God, but we just didn't do it. Their blood, the Bible says, will be on our hands. So we need to, we need to get with the program, you know, because we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of the things we've done in our body. And even though we might be saved... And spend eternity in heaven, thank God for that. There's still the judgment seat of Christ. We're going to stand before the Lord and give an account. And we don't want to be weeping and gnashing our teeth in his presence. Because we didn't do the things that he called us to do. And we see the lives that were lost simply because we didn't care. So we want to kick it in high gear. 
and help bring people into the knowledge of the truth of Jesus. Amen? Chapter 21, verse 1, Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no sea. That's where we left off last time. Verse 2, Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. So here, we've talked a little bit about this. The holy city, with the name the New Jerusalem, is actually the Lord's bride. Just like the harlot was a city called Mystery Babylon. And she, I can't say she was the devil's bride because they probably weren't married. You know, the devil probably never got married to her. But, but nevertheless, the devil has his harlot and the Lord Jesus has a bride. Verse 3, And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men. Hmm. And he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God. So the city bride is also here referred to as the Lord's tabernacle. And it's made up of people. So the city is not just talking about buildings. It's not just talking about architecture and land. It's talking about people. So Mystery Babylon... The harlot is made up of unclean people. And so, you know, we see the physical destruction of that city, but that is just an outward physical working of what is taking place to the people of that city. The people of that city are unclean. They live dirty, filthy lives. They live like whores, like beasts. But here, the Lord's bride is a city, It's people. It's the tabernacle of God. How many people know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God dwells in you. And you are living stones. First Peter tells us. Living stones. See, making up this holy city. Made up of human beings. Made up of believers. And the Lord dwells in all of us. Verse 4. And God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There should be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There should be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Man, that's awesome. Praise God forever. Well, why why isn't there going to be any death? Why isn't there going to be any of this pain? Well, remember Revelation chapter 20 verse 14 tells us that death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. So once that's cast into the lake of fire, there's no more death. No more death. Verse 5. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. Remember, Jesus said over in John, the fourth chapter, that if we drink of the water that he gives us, referring to the Holy Spirit, it'll become within us a fountain of living water springing up unto everlasting life. So we have 
this fountain in us right now. And we access it by faith. But the day's coming where you're not going to need faith. You're going to literally see the fountain. You're going to literally see it. You're going to literally be able to go over and just get a drink. Because it's going to be just like a natural fountain right there in front of you. You can see it. So you won't need faith anymore. But right now by faith we draw on that fountain of life. Verse 7. He who overcomes shall inherit all things. And I will be his God. And he shall be my son. But the cowardly unbelieving, abominable, murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So let me ask you a question here. Will sexually immoral Christians go to heaven or the lake of fire? No, I said sexually immoral Christians. They've been, they've been born again. They've been born again, but they're sexually immoral. Do they go to heaven or the lake of fire? He said all. He said all. And he put sexually, sexual immorality right there next to murderers. Right there next to murderers. Sorcerers. Witches and warlocks. Puts them right in the middle of them. Cowardly. Cowardly. We don't want to be cowards. Because that's a part of the package. We've got to be bold as lions. Unashamed of the gospel. Jesus said, if you're unashamed of me, if you're ashamed, if you're ashamed of me before man, I'll be ashamed to declare you before my Father in heaven and before his, before his holy angels. I'll be ashamed of you. See, why are people ashamed? Cowards. Being cowardly. So we, we need to ask God for boldness. Keep us from being cowardly. And notice, liars. Liars are a part of this. Well, it's a little white lie. Well, liars go to the lake of fire. Say we say, oh, liars, go to the lake of fire. That's right. So we need to repent if we lie. And we need to keep ourselves from lying. Lying's not good. It goes right along with all these things. You might as well go be a witch. You might as well go worship the devil, be a Satan worshiper if you're going to be a liar. So we shouldn't let any lies in our life. Verse 9. Then one, Oh, and by the way, verse 7 again. He says, he who overcomes shall inherit all things. Praise God. Woo, who gets all things? Those who overcome. Those who overcome. Praise God. And we're doing it every day. We're overcoming stuff, aren't we? Then one of the seven, verse 9, then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come, I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit. This is very interesting because back over in Revelation 17, one of the angels who had the seven bowls, not necessarily the same one, there were seven of them, seven angels, but one of them also came to him and uh, again came to show him something and took him away in the spirit. So these angels that are in charge of these bold plagues are angels that God uses to uh, show us things in the spirit, take us places in the spirit. 
He says, uh, verse 10 again, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like the most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. So she's just awesome. And this is, you know, twofold. It's people and it's a physical city. It's people, you know, if you go over there to Isaiah chapter 14, looking at Lucifer, he was arrayed with every kind of precious stone. And that's how it describes this city, with all these precious stones on her. Verse 12, also she had a great and high wall with 12 gates. Somebody say, build the wall. Man, they have a, they have a, (laughs) they got walls in heaven. With 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates. And names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel. Three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. Now notice this. The city had this great high wall. And it has foundation. This is a real structure. A lot of people have the idea that, you know, the things of the Spirit and heaven is just kind of this floating, free-floating vapor cloud. No, no, no. This life is like a vapor. But that life, man, it, uh, it's, it has structures. It has walls. It has gates. In other words, it's something you literally can walk into and walk out of. It is a real place that you will look around and see. Remember, the earth is patterned after heaven. Jesus said, I go and prepare a place for you. And you know, God, even in eternity, even though there'll be no devil, there won't be people running out, around with spears, guns, and weapons, God's still a God of privacy. He's still a God of privacy. So, you see, we're not just going to be out walking through nature. You know, living out in a forest somewhere. No, we're going to have mansions. We're going to be in structures that the Lord himself has built and prepared for us. And uh, we're not just going to be floating around. Not recognizing each other. Just like clouds passing in the night. No. No, no, no. No, it's, it's got specific dimensions. It has limits. It's a special place. And that's why the walls, that's why the gates. It's not just for any passerbyer to just look upon. It has to be a place that you purpose to go to. And you purpose to enter inside. It's not for a person to casually gaze upon. God is awesome. And heaven is an awesome place. And there's all kinds of glorious, awesome, holy places that it's not for everybody. It's for those that desire it, those that pursue it. Even in eternity, we'll still be pursuing God, pursuing his glory that never stops. And so to the degree you pursue, to the degree you hunger and thirst, right? He says, whoever thirsts, let him come and drink. Even in heaven. 
So you might not be that thirsty. You might be more thirsty than somebody else. See, you're going to be a lot the way you are now when you get there. Except you're not going to have a corruptible body. And you're not going to have sin. You're not going to have the devil pulling on you, messing with you. But you're still you. And you're still going to develop and you're still going to grow spiritually when you get to heaven. And you'll be eating and you'll be drinking and you'll be partaking of the things of God and you'll be growing. And there'll be books, right? There's books in heaven. There's things to read. There's things to learn about. We'll still be learning from the Bible. Still be getting revelation from the Bible. Do you understand the Bible tells us? I think it's over in First or Second Peter. It says that the angels desire to look into the things that you and I are being shown by God concerning our salvation. See, they've never experienced what you and I have experienced. They've never been unsaved and born again. And they're looking to understand this salvation by looking at you and I. They're learning from us. There's things they're learning from us. So angels are still learning. Everybody in heaven isn't just like God where they know all things. We'll be growing. Isn't that exciting? Yes, it's exciting. And so um, verse 14, he goes on. He says, now the wall of the city had 12 foundations. And on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So it has foundations. Well, that reminds me of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It says in verse 9, by faith, he, Abraham, dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Whose builder and maker is God. He didn't even have the book of Revelation. Abraham, I'm talking about Abraham. He didn't even have the book of Revelation. But he knew there was a city whose builder and maker was God. And it has foundation. He knew this is a real place. So while he lived here on the earth, he'd go from one, one, one part of town to another, you know. He'd move from place to place. And he'd just pitch a tent. Pitch a tent here, pitch a tent here. He wasn't living for this world. Now, when it came to the things of God, he would go and build an altar to the Lord pitch a tent for himself, but then build an altar with foundations and something that would last for generations. See, when it came to the things of God, you know, he he built something with foundations. It came to himself. He was just he was just a tent dweller away here on the earth because he wasn't living for this. He was looking beyond this. He recognized, I'm just a sojourner. I'm just I'm a pilgrim. I'm passing through this place. Man, I'm living for a heavenly country. I got a heavenly home, man. Praise God forever. Why, why spend all this money and time down here when, when we got such glorious things, architecture waiting for us up there? Hallelujah. Verse 15. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city. Its gates and its walls, the city is laid out as a square. Amazing, isn't it? Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furloins. Its length, breadth, and height are equal. This is very real measurements. You can measure this place. Verse 17. Then he measured its wall, 144 cubits, 
according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. That's a little vague. But the NIV, the New International Version, says verse 17 this way. It says, he measured its wall, and it was 144 cubits thick by man's measurement, which the angel was using. The angel was using man's measurement. And they say a cubit is, is like from your elbow to your, to your, 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 your index finger. And so, or your middle finger, and it's like 18 inches. 18 inches, approximately. So, this is talking about the thickness of the wall. So that comes out to about 100, no, no, 144 cubits thick, comes out to about 200-something feet thick. The walls are 200-and-something feet thick. How many people know that's some serious soundproofing? You're not even going to be able to hear the glorious things in that city passing by unless you purpose to go into that city. And I'm telling you, they're making some noise in there. There's some singing going on in there. There's some, there's some shouting going on in there. There's, there's some sounds of heaven that are coming out of that place. Praise God. But you see, you got to get in there to enjoy it. Because you go by, you can't hear a thing. It's, I'm 200 and something feet thick walls. Usually a, a wall is about a foot thick, you know. So then it goes on, verse 18 through verse 23, describing the construction of the city and the stones and the gold and all that. And just beautiful and it's amazing. In verse 23, the city had no need of the sun or the moon to shine in it for the glory of God illuminated it. The lamp is its light. That's how God originally intended it, that his glory would just light up the world. Light up the world. But you know, God's so good that he created this backup lighting. So that when man sinned, poof, these backup lights would come on. The sun and the moon and the stars. That was just backup. We're not going to need the backup lighting anymore. It'll be there, but we won't need it anymore. Just like in here, there's, there's, there's lights, you know, in different rooms and things like that. But they don't come on unless, unless the power goes out. Power goes out, and then those lights come on, see? So same thing spiritually. See, when, the, when sin came in, the power of God was cut off. The breaker was blown. And what happened? Poof, the sun and the moon appeared and gave light. But that's all about to change. Praise God forever. God's working on the breaker panel. He's getting in there and going to fix it all up real nice. Verse 24, And the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory, bring their glory and honor into it. The kings of the nations. Nations. Ever see nations? See, there's still going to be nations. There's still going to be different nationalities when we get to heaven. See, that's a God thing. That's a good thing. Verse 25, its gates shall not be shut at all, day, at all by day. There shall be no night there. And they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. Praise God. No more daylight savings. That's exciting. Praise God. So you got all these nationalities, but one people. Perfect unity. No sea, no ocean dividing us. Everybody is one. But you know, people go to their nations, and you got rulers, and you got kings. And right? Jesus said, if you're, if you're, if you're a ruler over, faithful with the, over little things, you'll be a ruler over many things. So it's in heaven, you know? you know. You might be one of these kings, one of these queens that come. I'm going to go to the New Jerusalem tonight, you know. And you leave your place that you've been given charge over, and you'll, 
take the glory of God that's on your life and all the wonderful things that you've gathered, you know, in heaven. There's trading, there's selling, there's buying going on in heaven. That's, that's what got Lucifer kicked out of heaven because he was corrupted by the buying and selling. He was a part of the stock market in heaven. And, and so, you know, he got violent over it. He got very greedy, see, and he became a devil. See, and he was cast down out of heaven. That's in Ezekiel 28. So, you know, there's buying and selling, there's increasing and all kinds of things. Verse 27. But there shall by no means enter anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie. There's that lie again. He keeps mentioning a lie. God don't let lies and liars and lies into his kingdom. Quick way to just grieve the Holy Spirit is lie about something. Now we gird our loins with truth, right? And that truth, you know, that, that girding of the loins, that belt, it holds all the other armor together. So when you lie, you just lose all your armor. You make yourself vulnerable to the devil. So you don't want to do that. But only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life are you written in there. Yes. Praise God forever. Chapter 22. Verse 1. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clean as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Hallelujah. Notice that. A pure river of of water of life. Jesus said, out of your belly, John chapter 7, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. Again, we have access to this living water, but it's by faith. We don't see it. We walk by faith, not by sight. But we can access this river because we're believers. It's pure. It's clean. It flows from the throne of God. This, we have access to this. But the day's going to come where we're actually going to see it. You won't need faith. It'll be, let's go down to the river. Praise God. Let's jump in the river. There's the river. Let's go into it. Going to see the river. Going to see the river. So we don't want to get there and find out we had access to these things all along. God's going to say, well, you know, you could have been drinking from this by faith. We're going to be like, oh, it's incredible. Full of life. Oh, man, it just, it heals, it strengthens, it's, man, it just takes me to, and every time I take a sip, it takes me to another level of understanding about God. It just clears my mind. He's going to say, well, you could have been doing this while you were on the earth. You could have been doing this on the earth. You had the fountain of life, the fountain of youth. You had it right there on earth. Why didn't you use it? I don't want, I don't want to hear that. I want to give to him, there's the river, man. I know that river. Praise God. Hallelujah. I live by that river. I've been living by that river by faith. Pew. Woo! That was a splash. <laughs> Woo! Glory to God. Just kick it up. Kick it up. By faith. <laughs> Woo! It's intoxicating water. See, Jesus turned water into wine. See, that's the river. It's intoxicating. That water is intoxicating. Because it's full of God. It's full of Jesus. Just take a little drink right now. Just do it. Just do it. Ooh, hallelujah. Splash me, Jesus. Mmm. Let's get back on track here. Verse 3. 
And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and his servants shall serve him. Notice that there'll be no more curse. Well, thank God, Galatians 3.13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, which is, includes every sickness, disease, and all kinds of, you know, being a victim of violence and all kinds of terrible things. We've been redeemed from that curse. It's still here. But by faith, we can overcome it. But there, it won't even be. And not only won't there be the curse of the law, there won't be the curse of the fall. The curse of the fall, you know, that came after Adam sinned. See? And so, you know, that's why women have pain in childbearing. And that's why, you know, people out there have to work in the sweat of their brow to, to bring, you know, financing, bring food in, to be able to survive. People need to work. Work hard. But the day's coming where the curse of the fall will be broken. It'll be gone. That'll be going to be no curse. No curse at all. Hallelujah. Verse 4. They shall see his face. That's why we got to take advantage of this time while we have it. You know, we're in the gym, right? We're in God's gym. See, we got, we got adversity. We got things that we can use right now to really grow our faith that we won't have in heaven. That's why angels will look at us and go, who are these guys? See? Totally ripped. Spiritually, you know. Totally ripped. Hallelujah. Spiritually, angels look and go, man, don't mess with that guy. You get fit every time you restrain yourself from having a fit. Think about that. Yeah, I, just want, I just want to have a fit. But you control it. And you walk in love. And you do the opposite. Oh, you grow, you get fit spiritually. We're talking six-pack, praise God. Hallelujah to Jesus. Hallelujah. Six-pack of living water. Take it to the river with you. Hallelujah. Anyway. I'm still coming down from the sip from the river. You, got, you, you understand. No, no, watch this now. Verse 4. They shall see his face. They shall see his face. Who? His servants shall serve him. They shall see his face, and his name shall be on their foreheads. There should be no light there. They need no lamp, nor light of the sun, for the Lord God gives them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Notice this. They shall see his face. Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, Jesus said, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. That's who gets to see God. That's not just being born again. That's living your life with a pure heart. A pure heart. The Bible tells us that we purify our souls by obeying the truth. You know? Get all the impurities out. Get all the impurities out. Get all the impurities out. Thank God for the word of God flushing us with the word of God. But being doers of the word pushes all the impurities of this world out of us. And it purifies our souls. Purifies our hearts. So that we'll be prepared to be able to see God face to face. Thank you, Jesus. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 tells Christians, pursue peace. Pursue peace with all people and holiness. Without which no one will see, no one will see the Lord. 
The DRA translation says God instead of Lord. No one will see God. So you got to pursue peace. Is it possible that there'll be people that will make heaven, but they'll never see God's face? They'll never see his face. Think about it. Throughout all eternity, they never get to see his face. They got to heaven. They didn't go to hell. Thank God for that, but they'll never see his face. Perhaps that's a part of the foolish virgins. They were foolish. They were born again. Virgins in that they were sanctified, set apart for God through the Holy Spirit, but they didn't purify themselves by obeying the truth. They didn't live according to the word of God. They weren't holy. They didn't live holy lives. And so now they'll never see the face of God throughout all eternity. They'll be glad to be in heaven, but they won't be able to see what you'll be able to see. I don't know about you and I. I'm going for the front row. Front row of God. You'll never, you'll, never, you'll never get in the front row to see God if getting in the front row of a dirty movie is what you enjoy doing on planet Earth. Just remember that. Let's not kid ourselves. If you like beholding dirty things, you will never behold his face. You might make heaven, but you won't behold his face. Mm. Second Samuel chapter 14, very interesting. King David had a son named Absalom. Absalom murdered his brother for raping his half-sister. And so Absalom fled for his life, and he was in a sanctuary city, like California or something. He was in a sanctuary city. <laughs> and so he was in a place where you couldn't touch him, you know. And so, but anyway, things worked out, and he was allowed to come back. But watch what the king said. Watch what the king said about his son who murdered his brother. Watch this. It says, so Joab arose and went to Geshur and brought Absalom to Jerusalem. And the king said, let him return to his own house. Let him come. Let him come to heaven. Let him come back to the the kingdom. But do not let him see my face. Whose face? The face of the king. Do not let him see my face. So Absalom returned to his own house, but he did not see the king's face. Isn't that interesting? He was allowed to return, but he couldn't see the king's face. So even in the natural, King David, who had a heart after God, you know, and such an honorable man and did so many things the way God would have him to do it, notice how he handled this. He could come back home, but he can't see my face. Interesting. Revelation 22, verse 6. Then he said to me, these words are faithful and true. And the Lord God of the holy prophets sent his angel to show his servants the things which must shortly take place. So here angels are showing showing us things. Angels will show you things. God will use angels to speak speak to us. Verse 7, Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed is he who keeps the words of the prophecy of this book. Well, praise God. Going Going back to the thousand year thing. So in 3,000 years he returns, right? Uh, We're raised up, excuse me. We're raised up to be in his sight. Forever we'll be with the Lord, right? But what about this, on the second day, I'll revive them. So we're in that 2,000-year mark right now. And there's something that Hosea saw, a revival that was so significant, so massive, that he recorded it in Hosea. He recorded that on the second day. He will revive us. I believe that's coming. I believe that's coming. I've got a word for Sunday I'm very excited about. 
It's going to get us ready. Praise God. Whoo, hallelujah. He says, I'm coming quickly. 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 3,000 years don't sound quickly. Well, that word quickly would be better translated suddenly. Suddenly. Just like in Acts chapter 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind. The Holy Spirit came, right? How did the Holy Spirit come? He came suddenly. How's Jesus going to return? Suddenly. Suddenly. What do you mean? Unexpectedly. Abruptly. Just suddenly he's here. He's going to come. And that goes along with Luke chapter 12, verse 46, where Jesus said, concerning the last days, he says, the master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking. Another unexpectedly, suddenly. You're not looking for him. And at an hour when he is not aware, he's not aware of it, suddenly, he's there. And he'll cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. He's talking about a, a Christian, a believer who is living ungodly. He's not living right. He says, man, suddenly judgment's going to hit that guy. The Lord's going to come suddenly. He's going to cut him in two. What do you mean? He's going to cut him in two. You know, when a person leaves their, when a spirit leaves its body, how many people know that's like being cut in two? So the person's killed. And then this guy is thrown in the lake of fire with all unbelievers. Now, verse 8. Now I, John, saw and heard these things. And when I heard and saw, I fell down to worship before the feet of the angel who showed me these things. This is the second time John has John, John's got a little bit of an idolatry problem here, it seems. But no, it's just overwhelming to him. The angel is so full of the glory of God. I mean, think about God himself when you see God. Here's an angel that's full of God. See, that's why Lucifer got so puffed up, and then he wanted everybody to worship him. And it was probably pretty easy to get people to do it, too, when he was Lucifer. Now he's a horror to look at. But he was something, he was something else. He was perfect in beauty, the Bible says. Which indicates to me not everybody is as beautiful as everybody. You know, it's not like socialism, where everybody gets the same everything. Same looking house, same, stand, same status, same looks, same everything. No, it's all different. There's a variety. And again, you can build upon and improve everything that God gives you, just like you can do now. So be doing it now. Because it's a part of God's plan for your life, for all eternity. And so... Um, John fell down, wanted, wanted to worship him. He said, no, no, no. Verse 9, then he said to, said to me, see that you do not do that. For I am your fellow servant. And of your brethren, the prophets. And of those who keep the words of this book. So here it's an angel. He says, worship God. In other words, he tells John, he says, I'm your servant. Fellow servant means I'm serving the same master as you. So you see, the Bible says concerning angels in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 14, it says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who are heirs of salvation? See, the Lord has sent them to minister to you and I as heirs of salvation. They minister not to us, they minister for us. For us. See, they're our servants. He says, don't fall down and worship me. He said, I'm here serving you. I'm one of your fellow, I'm, I'm a fellow servant. I'm serving the Lord by serving you. The same master that you serve. And the prophets serve. That's who I serve. 
See, 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 a lot of times people, people think angels are above us, but no, the, the Bible says, actually there's a scripture that says that he's made us a little lower than, and it's translated, the angels. He's made us a little lower than the angels, but that is a wrong, very wrong translation. The Hebrew word is Elohim. It's the name of God. God is in the plural because it's God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So it's, he's made us a little lower than God. We're not lower than the angels. Angels are ministering spirits. Again, they're learning from us. They're here to serve and help us. And he said to me, verse 10, Do not seal the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Remember, he told Daniel back in the 6th century B.C. He showed things concerning the future, just like he showed John. But he said, seal it up, for it's not for many days. Way out into the future. He said, seal up the vision, Daniel. Seal it up. But then here, he's telling John in the first century AD, he's saying, don't seal it up. It's time now. People need to understand and know these things. Verse 11. He was unjust. Watch what the Lord says here. He was unjust. Let him be unjust still. He was filthy. Let him be filthy still. He was righteous, let him be righteous still. He was holy, let him be holy still. Hey, if you want to be filthy, go be filthy. Just let him. Let him do it. Sometimes people, they, they destroy their own life trying to get other people to live right. Trying to get other people to live, live holy, live godly, and they destroy their own lives. He says, no, if they want to live that way, let them do it. See, it reminds me of Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15. When the Pharisees were offended and the disciples came to Jesus, they said, Lord, do you not know that they were offended at this saying of yours? And you know what Jesus said in verse 14? He said, let them alone, the offended people. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind, and if the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a ditch. So Jesus said, let them alone. So a lot of people, oh, they're offended. We've got to fix it. And Jesus says, let them alone. And if they want to be filthy, let them be filthy. Just preach the truth and follow me. And anybody that wants to jump on the bandwagon, they're welcome. Praise God forever. I don't know about you, man. I know where I'm going. If you want to keep going here and going here, watching this and doing this and being a part of stuff that's anti-Christ, hey, ain't going to burn me out. I'm going to live for Jesus. I'm following Jesus. Praise God. But glory be to God, God's adding cars to this train. And all are welcome to get on. I want to I build a, a train that's got a lot of boxcars, you know. Hallelujah. And, and we can get as many as, as, many as want to join us can get on. What I don't want to do is not have the goods to be able to welcome more people on. I want to be able to welcome more people on. Verse 12, and behold, I am coming quickly. Behold, I'm coming quickly, and my reward is with me to give to everyone according to his work. Blessed be his name. Get some good works, folks, because the Lord's going to repay you for it. He's going to reward you for every good. He said if you give but a cup of cold water to someone in the name of a disciple, you're not going to lose your reward. Lord, Lord takes good care, man. He's in the reward business, so start accumulating some rewards. Get busy. More good works. More good works. Turn to somebody and say, more good works. Tell somebody else, I expect more good works from you. 
Don't miss, don't miss your rewards. Don't miss your rewards. Verse 14, blessed are those who do his commandments that they may have the right to the tree of life mm. and may enter through the gates into the city. Ah, not everybody can go into the city. That's why there's walls and gates. Because people will be up in heaven. They'll be like, I so bad want to go in. Maybe if we could just hear, can't hear a thing. The walls are too thick. But if you're the, one of those that keep his commandments, ooh, hallelujah. Praise God. See, we need, we need to mature to become brides and not just be babies. We want to be brides because if we're the brides of Christ, if we're his bride, if we grow up and we're mature and we're doing his commandments and drinking and from the waters of life down here on earth, man, we're going to have access into that place. We're going to be a part of that place. We are that place. Ooh, glory be to God. Verse 18, for I testify to everyone who hears. Well, you know, there's lots of good things here. I testify to everyone who hears the words of this prophecy of this book. If anyone adds to these things, God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. Don't mess with the Bible. And don't hang around people that mess with the Bible. Too many people mess with the Bible. They make it say what they want it to say. There's a story of Joseph. They create a whole story about Joseph. There is no story about Joseph. You can't find it in the Bible. Why are you, why are you, how do you take a true story and turn it into fiction like that? How do you take something holy and just create your own story with it? And Mary, and Mary was distraught and she ran, Jesus, Jesus, where are you? Don't you know dinner is served? It's not in the Bible. They're making up things. It's fiction. It's an abomination. It's not entertainment to God. It's an abomination. Don't rent it. Stop watching it. I want to have rights to the tree. Can you say amen? Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Verse 19. If anyone takes away from the words of this book of this prophecy, God will take away his part from the book of life. I think he means it. And from the holy city. It ain't coming in. And from the things which are written in this book, he who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly or suddenly. Amen. Hallelujah. Even the Lord says amen. I mean, if nobody else is going to say it, he might as well say it. Amen. So let's, let's hear the Lord say it again. He who testifies these things says, surely I'm coming quickly. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Praise God forever. Hallelujah. Well, that concludes the book of Revelation. Ten parts. Glory be to God. Praise God forever. Thank you, Heavenly Father. That concludes this message. For more information about Life of Faith Bible Church or Stephen Fraser Ministries, go to our website at lofbc.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the many other teaching series and books by Stephen Fraser. That website again is lofbc.org. And you can always call 888 888- We trust today's message has encouraged your faith and strengthened your spirit to live the victorious life. And until next time, remember, we always triumph and we always win.